Greetings, church and friends of the church. Um, it is Father's Day weekend 2020. This is our 15th uh, weekend in this pandemic season, um, a season that we've been considering as uh, a season of wilderness, isolation, disconnection from what felt predictable, normal, safe. Um, we are moving in our area um, from a yellow to a green designation soon, which in the state of Pennsylvania means that more things will start to open, but we know that the pandemic is still here. Um, we know that we're not um, in a place of safety and comfort yet. We're not in a place of new normal yet. We're still stuck in this in-between, um, and we're not sure when that will end. So this is a great time for us to reflect on how we can be grown and reshape in our understandings of ourselves, each other, our understandings of God, as we're in this place where we're not monopolized by going through the motions of normal. And we can have eyes open to the world and to each other, to God in some different ways. We can imagine, we have more freedom, more time, more energy now to imagine how we can be better, how the future can be different. Um, so to summarize, in this series of reflections, uh, which are all on YouTube, um, we've reflected on the, the necessity of being present in this season in order for it to actually shape us. Um, we've talked about, we've considered the importance of allowing empathy to uh, bubble up within us as we look around and have our eyes open to others in new ways during this season talked about the importance of having an awareness of our privilege, an awareness of where others are lacking it. We've considered how God is in control uh, and also how we are in control of the people things. Uh, we've considered how we, we can't just rush back to what used to be normal because that wasn't a place of fairness and justice and well-being for all people. And so we considered that we need adaptation. We need creative change and evolution in our systems and in our practices and our norms because the old solutions didn't work well enough so that everyone uh, could live a life of well-being. And then we got to what I think is really the heartbeat or the crux of this whole line of thinking. Um, and that's um, the consideration that we all are these physical creatures who evolved with these natural tendencies within us. Uh, every human being has these tendencies to reactivity, which makes us want to fight or flee. We all have this tendency to assume the negative because over the, the centuries of evolution that protected us. And we all have this tendency toward tribalism, um, being connected with and advocating for those who are like us and look like us. And so we reflected on what it really means to be spiritual, not just, not just animalistic in that we are purely physical and live only by these physical tendencies that evolve within us, but to be a spiritual people who allow room within our decision-making places in our minds and hearts for um, a voice that says something different about how we ought to relate to one another than what those physical tendencies tell us. Uh, I'm, I'm arguing that that is the crux of this whole line of thinking. And then we considered the three um, major macro temptations that every human being and every 
group of human beings faces together out from these tendencies that evolved within us. The temptation to elevate the self above all else and to believe that life is all about protecting me, meeting my needs and desires. The second temptation to seek power and authority over and against others who aren't like me uh, because I'm afraid they're going to take what is mine and compromise my well-being. So um, I seek to take advantage of and, and to find privilege for myself rather than relating to others with a sense of equity and justice. And then the third temptation, um, which is to make uh, God in our God understanding into something that God is not. Instead of allowing God to be the eternal, mysterious creator and God of all nations and peoples and times, um, who seeks to provide for all people in the world and a just humanity, we, we in our God understandings are tempted to turn God into our enabler, our servant, our genie who caters to our fears, our desires. So in this episode, um, I want to shift, um, begin to shift from establishing that deeper understanding of who we are as physical creatures and potentially spiritual creatures, um, shift toward considering how these tendencies and temptations have manifested themselves in human history, in our life together. So I want to spend, you know, the next several episodes considering how these human tendencies that are inside of all of us and the temptations, those three temptations they naturally nurture, have given rise to community realities like racism, sexism, nationalism, consumerism, materialism, unfettered capitalism, classism, heterosexism, dogmatism, all the isms. Uh, but before we step through each of those, in this, in this episode, I want us to ask, where the hell are we? And how the hell did we get here? And I use that word hell purposely as the antithesis of what is good and true and, and what um, I believe is the intention of the divine creator for our life together. How the hell did we get here? What happened historically um, when, when we human beings have been slaves too often to those animalistic tendencies and temptations. Uh, we've been too physical and not spiritual enough. What has happened historically when a whole bunch of human beings with these tendencies to fight, to view others negatively, to make those assumptions, and then to tribalize? What's happened when we with those temptations, or with those tendencies have fallen to these temptations to self-elevate, to seek power and authority over others, and to live by a God understanding um, that we created for ourselves because it justified our actions? The short answer to those questions is systemic failures. Um, the breakdown of peaceful and just human society in which all work together to ensure the well-being of all. Uh, in this episode, we're, we're going to think about this more in general, um, societal breakdown, systemic failures, um, the history of us as a humanity being too animalistic, too instinctual, too fearful, not spiritual enough. Uh, and then beginning in the next episode, we'll start to consider these specific system failures called isms. So when we read the scriptures, uh, if we do, um, we're reading the story and the history of particular tribe of people called Israel. 
the scriptures we now call the Bible tell the story of their genesis as a people, their uh, seasons of nomadic wandering um, as a people in search of a more permanent place to call home, uh, their evolution from nomadic hunter-gatherers to an agrarian and a farming tribe, their interactions with other tribes of people, um, some of which were friendly, some of which were violent, their seasons of, of stability and being grounded in one geographical place, and their seasons of being occupied, exiled, displaced from, disconnected from um, place by the spread of violent empires like the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Romans. And the Greek scriptures uh, that we, some of us call the New Testament, tell the story of how Jesus was born out from this tribe and initiated a movement to reach beyond the tribe of Israel and unto all the tribes and peoples of the earth. Um, I could read similar stories and histories of the tribes of my ancestors uh, over the centuries, um, some of whom became those tribes who found themselves settled in the geographical place we now call Ireland. That's part of my, that's part of my lineage. Uh, modern DNA evidence suggests that the people who now live in Ireland are descendants of a wave of immigrants who came from what we now know as Spain and Sardinia about five or 6,000 years ago, and, and then another wave of immigrants from what we now know as Russia and the Ukraine about 4,000 years ago during the Bronze Age. There's also genetic affinity with people from Scotland, Wales, and England. Um, and in those thousands of years of migrations and crossings of borders, uh, there was just conflict galore. But before this, uh, back when everyone was, was more nomadic, back when everyone was just uh, a hunter and a gatherer, before the Stone Age that started about 10,000 years ago, um, I, I think most historians agree that there was not as much conflict because no one had significantly more goods stored up than another. No one individual or tribe had a measurable wealth of resources. Everyone just hunted and gathered what they needed to survive. And there, maybe there was an occasional squabble over who got to hunt um, which uh, particular lands. But this was the unusual exception to the norm, which was cooperative sharing of the common resource of the natural world, um, where everyone just kind of left each other alone to hunt and to gather. There's not as much within the context of those um, interpersonal and intertribal relationships to trigger these human tendencies and temptations. But with the advent of agriculture and farming, the ability to grow more and store up more than was necessary, the ability to domesticate and store up herds of particular animals, the ability to store up resources, uh, shiny things like gold and silver that could be traded for more and more food, that's when the cultural fabric began to tear. Some found these tendencies triggered within them and their fear for themselves and their tribes, um, or maybe their greed too, awakened these temptations to self-elevate, to seek power over and against, um, and to as um, ascribe to God understandings that justified their willingness to use force and violence to take and to hoard what belonged to another. Um, this triggered that fight, flight, tribalistic response within the other tribe then, 
um, which brought about conflict then instead of peaceful coexistence. Um, as historian Andrew uh, Schmuckler explains in his book, The Parable of the Tribes, The Power of Social Evolution, um, he writes that tribes that were neighbors to one another were constantly faced with four options. One, be exterminated. Two, be conquered and then assimilated into um, the aggressive tribe. Three, become aggressive in response and go to war. Or four, to flee, to run, to migrate far, far away from the violent and the ag aggressive tribes. And maybe this is why some of my ancestors migrated when they did um, to what we now call Ireland. It was in this kind of society, this kind of reality, that the nations as we know them today found their genesis. Tribes became increasingly materialistic, competitive, prone to violence and war. Land was understood less and less as a common resource upon which we all live cooperatively, and it was understood more as a tribal asset to be owned and protected. Schmuckler argues that most tribes came under the rule of leaders who were often tyrannical males who systematically altered cultural and religious traditions in order to enhance their ability to dominate and assimilate other tribes and to amass wealth and power for themselves. Uh, and, and one of the most, if not the most frequent alteration made by these leaders was to nurture with intentionality anthropocentric, um, people-centric, where people are most important, androcentric, where male people are most important, and tribal-centric religion. Constantine, the ruler of the Roman Empire in the early 4th century, was the first to alter and institutionalize the movement of Christianity for the sake of his own quest for power and wealth. A later example is the genesis of the Church of England, when King Henry started a whole new church just for his own purpose. We know that religion in history has often been a tool wielded by those in power, sometimes for the sake of their own tribe, sometimes for the sake of just their own self. When we consider what Schmuckler is telling us about our social history as a people, maybe we realize it isn't just history but it is still in so many ways the story that we are still within. Our tribes are bigger, and maybe we don't think about them as tribes. Maybe some people understand their nation to be their tribe. Maybe some understand their political party to be their tribe. Maybe some understand their race to be their tribe. Maybe some understand their religion to be their tribe. Maybe some consider the fan base of their football team to be their tribe. But it still remains that we live in a world full of us and thems, where we, we do still have this huge temptation to consider ourselves as a member of this one particular group of people who are like us, in whom we feel safe, and, and, and for whom we will, we will um, be violent if necessary in order to protect. Uh, the story of our world is still a story of a people fearful that they and their tribe won't have enough or won't be okay. And so they organize, uh, people still organize and separate along tribal lines. 
And this is where we're going to think about racism, nationalism, dogmatism, and the heterosexism that is attached so often to these. Leaders, um, primarily male, um, still use sexism and classism and distorted religion in order to further their cause, their quest for power and authority. And people, we people still seek to hoard in order to self-protect. Think materialism, consumerism, unfettered capitalism, where we may soon have the first trillionaire in our world. And people still in our world today still seek to plunder the resources and the land that belong to others. Think environmental pillaging and wars that are economically advantageous to the aggressor. Remember, the crux of this whole line of thinking is coming to the realization that we are these flawed creatures that are capable of either being slaves to our primal, animalistic, self-protecting physical tendencies, or persons who are capable of being spiritual beings who can overcome and override these primal tendencies, who can and must become more than what our animalistic and fearful instincts tell us that we have to be. The way forward, the way out from these places of hell, places of our good life together being compromised and broken by these systemic failures, isms, is a collective adoption of a spirituality that allows a different kind of voice within us to guide our decision-making a voice that overcomes and overwhelms the physical voices of our self-focused tendencies and temptations, and a voice that invites us to a better and more just life together. I do what I do as a vocation because I believe that Jesus was attempting to instigate this kind of spirituality um, and spiritual movement that could bring healing to the failing and tribal world. Um, he lived in the shadow of both the Roman Empire and the Pharisees' self-serving monopolization of the Jewish religion. He sought to challenge and overthrow these false distinctions um, of the empire and of that oppressive religion between people based on gender, race, religion, nationality, class, or nature of health or ability. He sought to affirm and to include people of every gender, race, religion, nationality, class, and nature of health or ability in meaningful life together. He rejected racism and nationalism as he talked about our citizenship being first and foremost in the kingdom of God on earth, which was his way of describing a global community of humanity with justice, peace, and the well-being of all. He rejected consumerism and materialism as he taught that it is our hearts that reveal who we are and not what we wear or what we consume. And that we ought not spend our days storing up and worrying about these ultimately trivial matters. He rejected classism and sexism as he affirmed and served time after time after time the poor and the women within his community. And invited the richest rulers to sell what they have for the sake of the poor and to sit down at the same table with them. Early Christian leader Paul wrote to um, some people in Ephesus, he is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, 
by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Paul wrote that this movement of Christianity was never meant to be a religion that further differentiated and divided, judged, and labeled, and fractured people. It was a movement started by Jesus of setting aside the flesh, setting aside the physical tendencies, and allowing a larger spiritual reality to shape our community together, to make peace so that divided communities are no longer divided, reconciled together. It's this kind of spirituality that can destroy the dividing walls of our hostility that allow for these hellish systemic failures and isms to still today keep us away from the good life together. It's a spirituality that is not exclusive of or antagonistic toward people of other religions, but can be parallel with and inclusive of all people in the kingdom of God on earth if we allow it to. As Paul also wrote that um, in Jesus, when, when, when looking at God and the self and the others in the world in the same way that Jesus did, there is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer male nor female. There is no longer slave nor free. We no longer see and fear these distinctions and differentiations. We see. We see how we are different and diverse, but we don't allow them. We don't allow our fears of them to trick us into thinking that we are enemies when we are not. But that kind of view does not come naturally. In fact, it's the very opposite of what our physical mechanisms that evolved, evolved within us often tell us. And so we have to admit that the physical tendencies and temptations that got us into this hell in the first place will never be that which brings us out from this hell of isms and into a world that is better and more just, more peaceful and good for all people. The ways of fear, the ways of division, the ways of all these isms will never be our answer to how we are to better relate to one another and organize ourselves is the human community. This is our history and still in so many ways our story today. Our history is physical, it's animalistic, but our future must, must, must be one that is built on spirituality instead. Spirituality which tells us a completely different story about God and the self and our neighbors and siblings in this global community. More uh, in the next episode as we start to dig into specific isms, specific hellish manifestations of our physical nature, which also allows us the opportunity to reflect on how with a, a spirituality, we can begin to move beyond them and to see a world that is better. Stay home. Stay safe. If you have to go out, 
please stay distanced and wear a mask. The, this pandemic is still among us. It's not gone. Be well, stay safe, peace be with you all.